Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 630 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer and Brendan S. Scott with you. Oilers now. It is 105 in Edmonton, the second hour of the show. We just heard from Joel Ward, who's starting a, a new journey for him. Uh, he will be working with Manny Viveros, the former Oilers assistant coach, as the uh, head coach. Uh, Manny's the head coach with Vegas's uh, HL affiliate, and Joel will be an assistant on that staff. Second hour of the show for our friends at Canadian Power Pack, Brian Burke, Alberta's leader in electrical construction service, electrical prefabrication and solar, and at 135 today, George LaRock. And uh, we will tell you, second hour of Oilers now is brought to you daily by Bridgetex. Uh, Digitex, who wish you and yours all the best during these uncertain times. Digitex is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. We are going to head off to the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline, and we are pleased to welcome back to the show former uh, longtime NHL executive currently with NHL Hockey and Rogers as an analyst, Brian Burke. Brian, how are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Did you miss? Uh, did you miss doing radio for a couple of weeks? Because uh, you cut back, or have you been doing a bunch of the? Uh, I guess. How do you do the book tour right now? Is it a visual book tour? How do you do some of that stuff? Yeah, it's all virtual. So I do a bunch of different events, and uh, people buy you know a group like I'm doing one next weekend or next week, where uh, they bought 200 of the books, and everyone is on the. The, the uh, call gets gets a book, and I've got to sign 150 of them. Or so it's it's different, but it's going really well. I went to the bookstore last week, uh, buyer house in Southwest Edmonton, and your book was sold out. So uh, stuff that obviously people like it. It's going well, so that's a good thing. There must be some entertaining stories in there. Yeah, there are. You should buy the book. <laughs> <laughs> or talk to the publisher and get him to send me one. Here we go. Uh, all right. You you were the guy who said, Bob, 
we have to play. The NHL has to play. Now, it sounds right now like there might be a bit of a quiet stalemate going on after the NHL went back to the PA and said we need 16% more deferral and we need to rework out uh, the escrow for the final three years of the uh, deal. Now, we're also in the U.S. Thanksgiving weekend. Logic dictates that they might fire it up here, getting out of this weekend. What do you think's going on, Brian? Well, I talked to a couple of people who are involved, one owner and one GM, and, and obviously it's difficult for the players to absorb a massive pay cut. But as Billy Preston said in the famous song, nothing from nothing leaves nothing. And the players, oh, they're 50-50 partners. So keep in mind, this isn't a classic labor struggle. Like much earlier lockouts, we're fighting for a piece of the pie and to reallocate. They're 50-50 partners, and the players owe the owners a lot of money right now. So they for, they forego their last paycheck last year. So that was $140 million recovered. They played in the bubble, so they preserved some of the television revenue, but they still owe the owners a lot of money on a 50-50 model. So I'm hoping that they'll get to the point where they got to play. We have to play. We have to play. People find, forget Canada. The people listening uh, in, in Edmonton will say, well, we'll come back even if they miss next year. But I'm worried about south of the border. We have to play because people find other things to do and unemployment's at record highs in the U.S. So, And the whole revenue sharing model, it's 8.5% of hockey-related revenue. That revenue's virtually dried up. So the, the Carolinas and the Floridas that relied on that money to field their teams, that money's dried up. So it's a solution that really requires some sacrifice, and it's got to fall on the right group of players. The notion that we're just going to defer some of this, that makes sense. But then if you get the, the new U.S. television deal, which everyone's counting on, um, and the other thing about uh, that we have to play is we have to get back to our calendar. So the, the networks are saying the Cup has to be awarded by July 15. So if you back out 14 days for the final, and you back out 14 days for the prior for the conference finals, all of a sudden you're at June 15th. And then you back out, all of a sudden you got to be done playing by May 15th, May 20th, somewhere in there. And if they do an expanded playoff, it might be earlier than that. So we have to start by February if we're going to play a meaningful schedule, which would be 48 games for me. So yeah. they have to play, and they have to make sure that this the money that's lost doesn't fall on the future generation of players. In other words, someone coming in, a couple years from now, because uh, teams' rosters turnover. There's usually two or three rookies per team that that make the team. So we've got to make sure that the, the losses fall on the right group of players. So my advice is, and it's easy for me to say, no matter what the rollback is, the players have to play. And then if we do say, okay, we'll defer some of the money, and when that big television contract gets done, which hopefully it does, then we'll recover it from that. Well, that means the cap's going to be flat for five to seven years while that money comes out of the television revenue. So there's a path here. There's a way to do this that doesn't fall all on the players. But short term, the players are going to have to accept some economic realities. I don't think everyone understands how decimated these marketplaces have been, how much revenue has been sucked out of these teams. I think people in Edmonton understand it, and Calgary, and the province of Alberta, and we're a place where hockey comes first, right? Like, that, yeah. I mean, it, it, there's a struggle here. A lot of the owners, you said you talked, How would, do you think there's more than one or two ownership groups that would say, forget it, I'd rather lose $25 million than lose $45 million if we play? Well, a GM told me last week, I was sitting across from him, said we'll lose $15 million if we don't play. 
we'll lose $60 million if we play. So that's the math from the team side. And that's assuming no fans. Now, again, the vaccine changes everything. So assume we start February 15th. And that'd be the players apparently have said there's no way they're going to give up Christmas. So if you give, say, the Europeans come back 26th, 27th, 28th, quarantine for two weeks. So training camps could open January 15th. You could maybe play February 1st. We'll have an abbreviated schedule, a compacted schedule, but there's a way to do this, but they'll have to agree on the money. And starting from the fact that the players owe the owners a lot of money right now. Is there an interesting class battle potentially for the players as well? You got guys like Connor McDavid. He got a thirteen million dollar U.S. signing bonus in July. Uh, you know, obviously Matthews uh, and Marner, and I believe Muzzin got significant signing bonuses for the Leafs. Those guys have been paid. In fact, if there is a deferral, Brian, those players would actually have to pay back uh, next season. So. Could, could that create some a little bit of a headache for the NHLPA side in this? Well, and I, I've been critical of the whole signing bonus issue. So when I was in the collective bargaining talks, I raised that as an issue. And to be fair, the guy that raised it to me was Kenny Holland. And he said, you've got to be very leery about these signing bonuses. They can gut the whole CBA. And he was right. So when I was at the table, we were talking about a 10% cap on signing bonuses. And obviously that went away. And I blame the union for allowing this to happen. I don't blame the owners for for paying it because it's part of the system. But the notion that on the Edmonton Oilers, their two best players can get all their money in July and everyone else waits all year to get it and maybe is subject to rollbacks and cutbacks, I don't think it's fair. And I think one thing that should come out of this would be, and hopefully the the rank and file in the union will step up and say, enough of this. We're, We're all treated the same. Enough of the signing bonus stuff. If you want a small signing bonus in the summer, that's fine. But the bulk of your pay gets paid when I get paid. Because you think you know, the guys that can command these big signing bonus contracts, it's a maximum of three per team. Yes, three. Right, absolutely. But it is. I mean, it's it's a really intriguing scenario. And you know what? Uh, part of it was done because of the potential of a CB. Uh, you know, they thought there could be a work stoppage. I think that was part of why some of the guys had those front-loaded bonuses put in place like that, so that they were covered either way. And now, as a result of the pandemic, it's it's added itself another layer as well. So. Uh, well, I, I think I think it's. But if I'm, and keep in mind, I always think of the the rank and file, right? I was a grunt, and so I think about the grunts. So if you think about a third line winger who's an important player on the Edmonton Oilers, and he's going to get less money than the star players who get it all in the summertime, that's not fair. And to me, that's a union issue. Uh, what the union negotiates is teams are going to do, and, and it creates an inequality among the teams, too. Richer teams can do these type of deals on free agents, and other teams can't. So there's a lot of reasons to get rid of signing bonuses, and I hope that's one net effect of this whole negotiation is all players are treated the same. Yeah, absolutely. Brian, we just had Joel Ward on the show who, uh, you know, worked his way from, and you know I have a little bit of a, a soft spot for Canadian University hockey. I, I I, thought Derek Ryan would have a chance to be an NHL player. Calgary's got a guy in their organization, Luke Phillip, right now, who might uh, end up working his way up one day. Noel Phillips at the U of A, he might end up a completely different player. He might make it. But I, I'm not surprised that Joel's moved into coaching. You know, he always came across as a really intelligent guy. He's had some unique life experiences. When you were a manager in the NHL, were there guys that you just knew one day would go into coaching and management? 
Yeah, there were guys that – here's the problem. So if you look at the history of the NHL, a lot of the best coaches weren't the best players because a star player doesn't have to learn to think the game as thoroughly as a guy like I, a guy like me. I had to master how the game was played or I wouldn't have played. I had to do everything right. And so I look at these guys I've had over the years like, do I think Mark Messier could be a good coach? Absolutely. Do I think he's going to be interested in putting in that kind of time and aggravation when he's got $70 million in the bank? No. And also, if you look at the star players, a lot of them have not made good coaches because they get impatient with guys like me. And they get impatient with guys like me. And, and, and I say, why can't you do this? And I'm like, because I'm not you. I was never as good as you. So your your system has to be as good as your worst player. You know, it has to be accommodate your, your, your lowest skilled player. So I remember when Yarko Rutu played for me in Vancouver, I thought he'd make a great coach because he was a grunt, but he thought the game extremely well, high hockey IQ, really popular teammate, unpopular everywhere else. Everyone hated his guts everywhere else. But he's a guy. I thought Pat Verbeek would make a good coach when he was my captain in Hartford. I thought Trevor Linden would make a good coach. But uh, And I thought this is a guy, a shout-out to a guy, an Edmonton guy, Jason Strudwick is a guy. When he played for me, I thought he would make an excellent coach. So there, there are guys that have those that maturity. Mark Giordano, well, they have that maturity and that hockey IQ, but ha- aren't separated from the group with the skill set. Gio is a little bit, but like Jason Strzok was a guy that had to play the game well and had to yep. play play the game hard because he didn't have a choice. If he didn't play the game well and smart and didn't play the game hard, he would have been in the press box next to me. You know, it's funny you mentioned Jason Strzok because the year he retired. I had a conversation with the Oilers brass and said in the NFL, they have what are known as transitional coaches. So these guys get their coaching start, and so they've retired, and they're with that team and with that organization. Obviously, they're good character guys. Like Jason's a great guy and was well-respected by his teammates, would be the first to admit his limitations. But the NFL does have that actual transitional-type coach, and I suggested that's what the Oilers should be doing as well. Now, sometimes what happens is people put those guys in developmental roles, right? They end up working with the farm prospects, and that's kind of how they get their start uh, as recently retired players. So it's it's an interesting one to me because I think that – you know, it's a different game maybe now than it was 20, 25 years ago. And I think those experiences, especially for guys that kind of willed their way, Brian, you know, like Connor McDavid. Like Jared one- Bender. Yeah. Like Jared Bender. Jared yeah. Bender is a great example. Go to Hockey DB and look at his career. Yeah, East well, Coast Hockey League, cup of coffee here in the American League, maybe the odd NHL game. John Tortorella, minor league player, started coaching in the Atlanta Coast League. These are guys that were marginal players that carved out a living as a coach and this is how this is how it's done if you're not a star player and you have to go somewhere and and the one thing that complicates things as you said Bob is teams that had 7 6 5 player development guys pre-pandemic are going to be doing it with three players now or three per, you know coaches now player development guys so the budget cutting has gone all the way to the top a lot of GMs have had to take pay cuts a lot of staff have been laid off so you're going to come back with a leaner, meaner group of people and have to do it well with a smaller number of people. So I remember when I got to Calgary, we had Richie Sutter doing player development. Or Ronnie Sutter, sorry, not Richie. Ronnie Sutter doing player development. And this poor guy's flying all over the globe. So we added, we brought in two more guys. 
And so now we've got three people doing it. Well, if you come out of the pandemic, ownership turns to you and says, what's the lowest number of people you can do this with? That's yep. what the discussion that's going to be had in a lot of boardrooms. They're going to call in the – because when I started, it's funny. I looked at a picture the other day. When I started in Vancouver in 87, I think we had eight scouts, eight scouts. And now I think Vancouver, going into the break, had 20. So we've got a few more players out of Russia. Well, we better put a full-time guy in Russia. We had a part-time guy before that. And then more players coming out of the Czech Republic, more players coming out of Slovakia. Okay, we've got to put a full-time guy in one of those two countries. Full-time guy used to be Finland and Sweden. Now there's one in each. So we've added, it's not fat. You're not cutting fat there. These are useful people covering these things. Now, now all of a sudden you have to have a scout in Germany and Austria. So, like, it's not, it's going to get harder. These scouts are going to have to travel a lot more and do a lot more stuff, but it's going to be a smaller number that teams come back with. My understanding is the LA Kings had five or six different uh, former players that worked on their development side. Like they, they, you know, like Matt Green was a pro scout, but he did a little bit of development. Jared Stoll was on the broadcast, but did a little bit of development for them. So they had, they had guys multitasking. It wasn't all Sean O'Donnell. Actually, Sean O'Donnell did some TV and did a little bit of development stuff. So it was a really intriguing model. And frankly, it, it's it's an area that the Oilers struggled a bit in, in terms of, you know, they, they maybe could have put some more resources into. So it's, it's, it's going to be really uh, intriguing uh, moving forward. All right. You know, it's weird. We're sitting here, Brian. It's U.S. Thanksgiving. This is usually where you know where your team is at. And we're not even having that concept, that discussion at this time because, and I, I guess that means it's going to be wide open. You say the order, you say we have to play. We know we're probably going to have an all Canadian division. It's going to be wide open once we get back, isn't it? It's going to be wide open. It's going to be a very different schedule. So the Vancouver Canucks are not going to come to Edmonton and play once. They're going to come to Edmonton and play twice. Then they're going to go to Calgary and play twice. Then they're going to go to Winnipeg and play twice. So you're going to see the same opponent back-to-back. I could care less. I would kill to get into an arena and see a game. I don't care if i got to watch the same team four nights in a row. Me too. But you're going to see a very different schedule, at least in the first season. And, uh, you know, the Ottawa Senators aren't going to come all the way to Western Canada and play three games. They're going to play eight games. They're going to play Winnipeg on the way out twice. They're going to play Calgary and Edmonton twice. They're going to play Vancouver twice, then go back. Because the cost of travel is now a factor. It used to be when the buildings were full, the money's rolling in, no owner ever said to me, can we do anything about travel costs? We just took the league schedule and, and did it. And I remember my last year in Calgary, and I complained bitterly about this at the time. The league had us fly to Toronto on a Tuesday, play the Leafs on Wednesday night, fly to Montreal after the game, play Montreal Thursday night, and then fly all the way home. It cost us $300,000 in airfare. And I called Steve Hatsipatros, who works for the league, great guy. And I said, can't you get us Ottawa on that trip or Buffalo on that trip or Winnipeg or Minnesota on the way back? We don't want to go that all that way and spend three hundred grand to play four games. And he said, no. Well, guess what? Now they're going to look at that and say, we can't possibly drop three hundred grand on two games. So the Vancouver Canucks will go play Ottawa twice, play Montreal twice, play Toronto twice, and come home. Or catch Winnipeg or Calgary-Edmonton on the way. But no one's going out and playing two-game road trips anymore. That I can promise you. 
Brian, the worst part of that story is you said played Toronto and then the next night played Montreal and didn't have a night off in Montreal in between the game between Toronto and Montreal. <laughs> that is a horror story for a broadcaster. Come on, man. All right, great well, stuff. And here's the thing. I, and I, we were used to getting jerked around for Hockey Night in Canada. You know, like the Canadian teams have always been at the mercy of Hockey Night. These were midweek games. That's right. what drove me nuts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Brian, awesome stuff. Love it. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Bob. That is for our friends at Canadian Power Pack, Brian Burke. It is 123 in Edmonton. When we come back for Greta Bar, we will play Oilers Now Trivia on our River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline at 780-496-0063. And uh, yeah, it'll be tied in a bit to one of the guests we've had on today's show. This is Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. It's 126 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer and Brendan Escott with you. It is time to play Oilers Now trivia brought to you by Greta, Global Street Food. Greta Bar, eat, drink, and play back in the 630 Chet Studios. Brendan S. Scott. Brendan, what are we playing for? $50 in gaming credits to the old school arcade games at Greta. All right, here we go. It's a little bit of a tough one. Yes, it is. It's not easy. Let's just put it that way. Uh, might, you might need to know a little about Oilers' history. So we had Joel Ward on the show, and he mentioned that he spent three seasons playing for Houston. Think about it. He played four years at junior, four years at Prince Edward Island, then three years in the minors before he became a full-time NHL player. In his last year in the minors playing for Kevin Constantine, can you name the Oilers' former, this guy was drafted in the first round by Edmonton, who was a teammate of Joel Ward's in Houston with the Arrows. He was a uh, one-time first-round pick that did not pan out. And some of you were at the draft when this guy was selected. So that's my hint. Some of you would have been at the draft when this guy was selected. In fact, some of you might have been chanting a different name. 780-496-0063. You can call us on our River Cree Resort Casino hotline. We do not let winners win via the text line on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Uh, again, keep having her at her. It's all good. Uh, but we will uh, continue down the path. We do have George LaRock coming up. The trivia question again, name the former Oilers first round draft choice that was a teammate in 0708 of Joel Ward with Houston in the American Hockey League. We got a winner. And the winner is Brendan? Jim D. knew that the answer to that question, Bob, was Steve Kelly. Who was the Oilers' first-round pick in uh, 1995, the draft that took place in Edmonton. There's an old saying in the car business, cars cost less than Wetaskiwin, but outstanding customer service is a key to business as well. Brent Ridge Ford is a nine-time President's Diamond Award winner for customer satisfaction. They will provide you with outstanding service at the time of the purchase. They'll continue to that standard of service after the sale as well. So let Uncle Milt Rich, Johnny and the gang at Brent Ridge Ford lend a hand by calling 1-877-477-3673 or visit BrentRidge.com. We will head off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Come back with George LaRock when we return on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.